did my intro music. Anyway, this is Eddie Rye Jr., the host of Urban Forum Northwest, and it's uh, my pleasure to uh, receive my guest today. We'll have uh, Congressman Bobby Scott, who is on the line. Uh, we have uh, Chairman Raymond Miller, Reverend Dr. Uh, Wayne Jenkins, uh, Pastor Leslie Braxton, and Kevin Meeks from New Beginning Christian Fellowship will be on, as well as the Sound of Northwest uh, Vanessa Bruce, artistic director, and Shirley Young, one of the choir members. So we're going to go right to uh, Congressman Bobby Scott. Congressman Scott, how are you doing? Doing fine, Eddie. How are you doing? Okay, now, I just, uh, you know, every, what's on everybody's mind is, uh, uh, will, the will the country default on its debt? Because we see the stock market is taking a dive. So I just wanted to find out from you, sir, uh, if you could give my listening audience your perspective on what's happening with the debt ceiling. Well, that's up to the Republicans in the House. They have come in in really an astounding uh, posture. They walked in and said, we're going to blow up the um, economy of the country if you don't agree to these demands. Some of them have something to do with the, uh, with the budget, and some don't. Um, but they, they, they have a list of demands. And usually when you negotiate, you get something and I get something. You get something and I get something, and we kind of negotiate. Well, their view of negotiating is how much on their list are they going to get? And they're going to be reasonable. They won't sit, they're not insisting on all of it. But what do we get? Nothing. Um, and, and, and so, I mean, it's just, um, they think that's reasonable negotiation. I, it's just, um, just incredible that they think they can come into negotiations, make demands, and expect people to, um, to jump. But, you know, you just said whether, whether or not the, um, uh, they're going to default. They, they have um, uh, made demands that put us in a budget situation that is untenable. I think the reason they have to do it this way, rather than the normal, if they want to cut spending, all they got to do is cut spending. They control the appropriations committees. All they got to do, but the problem is they can't conform their appropriations bills to their rhetoric. And they say, well, they're not going to cut this, they're not going to cut that. They can't draft the bill. They, they have the, 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 the Veterans Affairs um, uh, appropriations bill, it frankly been marked up. They figured they're going to do the easy ones first, the ones everybody can agree on. Uh, when by the time they can't try to get under the numbers that they have to get under, they had significant cuts to veterans' health care. Here we are on Memorial Day weekend, and and they're they're showing cuts in veterans' health care. They said they're not cutting veterans. Well, they they say that, but when you put numbers on the page, that's what they're doing. And so, uh, you know, Democrats aren't going to agree to that. But they can, you know, if they get a, if they agree with the president and can uh, get a debt ceiling bill out of the house without Democratic help, you know, you know, more power to them. But um, um, they have um, uh, pranced around talking about uh, what they're going to do with the budget. Um, and they're unable and unable to put numbers on a page. Now, what they what I think they want to do one, I think they want to default to ruin the economy because the economy is so good. Uh, Biden will be strong next year, and if they can ruin the economy, it will help them politically. But the other thing they're doing is making um, uh, Biden agree to the cuts. 
So when they cut veterans' health care, they can say, well, these are cuts that Biden agreed to. Uh, so that it, what they're doing is making no sense, and they, they expect um, people to go along with it. So I, I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we have what's called a discharge petition. Two hundred thirteen Democrats have signed it. We need five Republicans, and if five Republicans join us, we can bring a clean debt ceiling to the floor, pass it, and be finished with it. This is a manufactured uh, crisis. Um, um, it, it has nothing to do with the budget. Uh, let, let me tell you, Eddie, I am embarrassed to listen to these people talk about fiscal responsibility. Did you know, I mean, listening to them, you wouldn't know that this was true, but every Republican president since Nixon, since Nixon, everyone without exception, has left office and left for their Democratic successors a worse de- deficit situation than they inherited. Everyone, without exception, and Trump was on the way to doing that before the pandemic. And every Democratic administration since Kennedy, without exception, has left for the Republicans a better deficit situation than they inherited, without exception. And uh, Biden has already cut the deficit three, uh, $1.7 trillion. And his budget cuts it another three trillion uh, go, 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 going forward. And we got to listen. And we—they're they're trying to lecture us on fiscal responsibility. I think the best thing they could do is just get out of the way, and we can get back to balancing the budget like we did under Clinton with no help from them. Uh, but um, you ask what's going to happen? I don't know. They—they uh, they can't conform their their uh, appropriations bills to their rhetoric, and. Um, in a couple of days, I think it's going to be apparent. Yeah, I think uh, we see in the stock market and, uh, uh, you know, it's absolutely amazing. I hear there's a resistance to having uh, the wealthier people pay their fair share of the taxes, that they're well, opposed. If you got rid of the Bush uh, and Trump tax cuts, you would be almost with a balanced budget. And so when they say it's spending, it's not spending. It's these tax cuts that weren't paid for. Now, if it is spending, that's fine. Just tell us what you're going to cut. They want to cut in general. They want to cut 22%. They want to go back to another uh, couple of years back uh, spending levels. That's reasonable. That's fine. Name the cuts. And when they start naming them, you end up cutting Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, child nutrition, veterans benefits, housing, rail safety, um, um, workforce safety. I mean, name the cut. They can't. They won't. They won't do it. They won't do it. And when they do name the cuts, it's a couple of million dollars here and a couple of million dollars there. They're trying to get to a trillion. <laughs> they, you cannot conform their 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 appropriations bill to their rhetoric, and they know it. And so, rather than go through the normal process of draft the bills and show your hand, that, that, that President Biden produced a budget. That means line, numbers on line items. What they passed a few days ago is really a press release and aspirational, but it doesn't say what was being cut. And, and until they do, this is all just nonsense. Well, uh, uh, people, our listeners definitely needed to hear uh, your perspective being back there on the Hill uh, on a daily basis. Now, I talked to Congressman Emanuel Cleaver yesterday, and he said everybody went home 
and I guess you guys are on notice to be able to return in 24 hours. How does that work? Uh, yeah, the Republicans took took off, went home. About um, 80 or 90 uh, Democrats stayed around and spoke on the floor after the Republicans left, talking about the importance of staying here and getting our work done. Um, uh, we need if they're going to talk about the budget, let's talk about the budget. But they don't want to. They do not want to draft budget bills to explain their rhetoric. Every time you say, well, "What are you going to cut? You're going to cut this or that?" They say, "Oh no, we're not going to cut veterans. We're not going to cut child nutrition. We're not going to cut this. We're not going to cut defense. We're not going to cut Social Security. We're not going to cut." When you get to the, to, the, to the end of the discussion, they haven't cut anything. <laughs> And, and so that's why we just put your bill on the floor so we can see what you're talking about. And when they put their uh, Veterans Affairs bill on the floor, they had significant cuts to veterans' health care. After they well, said know, they weren't cutting veterans' support. And we have a Memorial Day coming up. And like I said, I mentioned coming out. But uh, I would really like to have you hear from uh, Dr. Raymond Miller, who was uh, uh, chairing the NAACP Area Conference uh, veteran uh, Armed Services and Veteran Affairs uh, Committee. So, uh, Dr. Uh, Miller, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Uh, I know you heard some of the conversations. So, uh, from a, a leader of a veteran, the veterans organization, uh, you just heard Congressman Thompson, uh, Congressman Scott mentioned that uh, veterans' uh, benefits are on the chopping block. So, what are the veterans doing to ensure that after serving the country, they don't get messed over? Well, you know, every politician always come up with the same old line that, that we're going to maintain our sacred obligation to our veterans while at the same time they cut services for veterans. Are we going to be out there? And we've been talking to uh, our legislators and our senators and our and uh, around the country. And we've been and out going around the state of Washington. I have been talking about this 22 percent cut that they're proposing in, 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 in the Department of Veterans Affairs. And we can't maintain, they can't serve veterans um, today with the budget they have today. And they're going to talk about they cut it. So uh, we're going to make sure we're going to be fighting. We're going to be fighting every day to make sure that we get the benefits that we serve. So we served, we stepped up and we raised our hand and we said that uh, we will serve, we will defend this country against all en enemies, foreign and domestic. But that was a two-way contract that they also said that they would make sure that we had certain benefits and services once we got out of uniform. Uh, so uh, we're fighting every day to make sure, and this is Military Appreciation Month uh, on top of that, and we're coming up on Memorial Day, and uh, May 25th is the day that we called it a National Day of Honor, where we celebrated the 1.5 million African-Americans who served during World War II, and, um, and we turned that into all African-Americans who served because most of the time, we don't get the benefits and the services that we proposed to get. We got to fight harder than the, than the um, European population of Americans to uh, to get the benefits and services we need. And uh, so we're out there talking and fighting. I'm glad to hear what he said. And we've been like, you can't cut the budget. And uh, we all know that we know that this deficit reduction act should be passed as a clean act and not talking about budget. Let's go to the budget process and uh, as the representative said, so and you, do so it the, the right way, the way it's supposed you, to be you done. That's a clean debt ceiling. Clean yeah. debt ceiling. Yeah. 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 That passed, that's and, and a clean one. Like we always done. Stop us, 
It doesn't stop us from considering cuts in, in a normal way. They control the Appropriations Committee. If they want to cut, they can cut. But the problem is they can't, they can't conform these bills to their rhetoric because they're talking about 22%. When you start talking about 22%, you start talking about cutting veterans, increasing wait times to get into VA hospitals, cutting benefits, uh, cutting health care, uh, you know, wait time for um, appeals on disabilities uh, because you got fewer and less staff to uh, process them. You know, you you can't just cut and nothing happens. Yeah, one hundred percent true. Yeah, I would like to ask uh, Reverend Doctor Wayne Jenkins if he has a question or a comment for Congressman uh, Scott. Uh, no, sir, not at this time. Okay. And, and I see Hardy Bird has also joined us, so welcome into the conversation. So uh, I think uh, 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 Commander Miller, he's over so many different organizations, has made it very clear. So uh, Congressman Scott, I thank you for taking the time out there, but I also want to ask you, what do you think that the uh, voting public should do to, uh, to try to help uh, the folks on the right side of this issue? What can we do? Do you think public demonstrations? What, what will help? What will help uh, move I think the needle? We need, we need to call uh, uh, business groups to ask them to call their Republican friends. All we need is five to sign the discharge petition. It will pass on the floor and pass the Senate and be signed by the president. And we raise the debt ceiling. All that does is put the normal appropriations process in the normal course of business, where the Appropriations Committee drafts the bills, and they're debated, and they're debated on the floor, and they pass a bill on, on the floor. That's the normal process. This hostage-taking where you um, uh, uh, take the, uh, threaten to blow up the entire uh, really global economy unless we submit to demands that make no sense. Um, you need to talk to the Republicans. Uh, to say sign, we need five to sign the discharge petition and we're out of this crisis. This is a manufactured crisis. We've raised the debt ceiling three times under Trump. Uh, we, we've, we've never defaulted on our debts. And here we are, they're threatening to default unless we do things that they can't even figure out how to do without misleading the public. They said they weren't cutting veterans' benefits, but when they drafted the bill, big cuts for veterans' benefits. Uh, veterans health care and so you need to talk to republicans and tell them to sign the discharge petition and talk to business groups and tell them to call their republican friends to tell them to sign the discharge petition all of the democrats in the house to sign the discharge petition that's 213 we need 218 to um uh to be able to vote on it and um and we're out of this crisis well, well, that's a good job. You're you're on top of it, uh, Congressman Bobby Scott. We really appreciate your time today, and I, I, I sent Austin a thank you note already for being for you being able to be on the air today. And I want to see if uh, uh, Dr. Raymond Miller can hold on us for the, for the uh, most of the program because that is Memorial Day coming up, and uh, we did have a very significant event that happened today. Uh, there was no opposition apparently to Air Force General Charles C. Q. Brown being name is the Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff. So I guess uh, the anti-affirmative action people are going to leave that one alone. As long as well, you're putting your life on the line, there's no opposition to affirmative action. Eddie, 
Eddie, you wasn't affirmative action. He's chief of staff of the Air Force, so this is a natural uh, natural progression. Exactly. Uh, it's just a natural uh, promotion. So um, I've met him several times. He's very professional. And so he'll do, he'll do a great job. They don't no, I'm just talking about, about, I'm just talking about Fox's spin on, on his promotion. <laughs> oh, they, they'll spin anything, but there's nothing to complain about on this one. Eddie, yeah. it's good talking okay. to you. I got to go. Okay. Okay. Thank you for all you do, Congressman Scott. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Dr. Merriman Miller, can you hold on with us for a while? Because I want to have you in and out of the program. Are, are you good. good for the hour? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Because I want to now, Harley Bird is on hold, and so is Dr. Wayne Jenkins, and they both had uh, a role in, uh, and he, this gentleman, uh, the late Matthew J. Thornton, Reverend Matthew J. Thornton, had a role in both of their lives. Uh, so I would like to start with the eldest uh, 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 of the uh, uh, Reverend Thornton's uh, understudies, and that would be now Reverend Dr. Wayne Jenkins, who is the senior pastor at New Hope Church, uh, Baptist Church in uh, Pasco, Washington. And uh, I was telling him he needs to write a book because he went from uh, a member, original member of the South Black Panther Party to being a preacher, from a panther to a preacher. So, uh, Reverend Dr. Wayne, why don't you go ahead and start off, sir? Thank you, uh, uh, Eddie, uh, again, uh, thank you for allowing me to, to be on this call. Uh, it was good to see you at uh, Pastor Thornton's uh, going home service. Uh, you and I have a long history, uh, and I appreciate you. You were very instrumental in my first career uh, as a fashion designer. So I really appreciate you, uh, your kindness and your graciousness for my life. Um, when talking about Matthew J. Thornton, um, Pastor Thornton was um, not just my pastor, he was my mentor, and he was my friend. Um, uh, senior in high school is when I, I first got to know uh, Pastor Thornton, his brother-in-law, Newt Galladay, which was uh, Sister Nell's brother, Sister Nell Thornton's brother. He and I went to Garfield High School together, and um, he was part of that family. So I did have um, contact with Pastor Thornton. But Pastor Thornton became really uh, instrumental in my life when um, I joined uh, the Friendship uh, Baptist Church where Pastor Thornton was pastor. And um, I was there for the first couple of years, and Pastor Thornton saw something in me, and he asked if I would uh, go into formation as a deacon. And uh, I went into formation as a deacon. I completed that training and Pastor Thornton uh, ordained me as a deacon. And I served in that position uh, for almost seven years. And so um, he watched over me, uh, he taught me, and he encouraged me to, to study. Um, he allowed me to uh, be the assistant Sunday school teacher, where I really got a, a, a pretty good background on scripture and being able to stand uh, before God's people and talk about uh, God's word. Um, Pastor Thornton always encouraged me to uh, be, be the best that I could be. He always said that our past does not define us, but it's where God takes us in the future. And so at, under his leadership and tutelage, um, he taught me a lot about um, 
about how church life is. Uh, the church, he always said the church is not uh, the building, but the body of baptized believers. So in 1997, I answered my call to go into the ministry and uh, Pastor Thornton encouraged me to go to seminary. And matter of fact, he supported me to go to seminary and uh, Pastor Thornton, uh, the first uh, national convention that I went to was because of Pastor Thornton. Um, he, um, he paid for me to go there. He watched over me. He introduced me to a lot of, uh, a lot of teachers, a lot of preachers. And I, I made relationships that I even have to this day. Uh, Pastor Thornton um, would um, teach me on uh, how to construct a sermon. Uh, the three parts of a sermon, you know, your your text, your, uh, your introduction, your body, and your clothes. And he always said what Paul told T Timothy. He said, study to show thyself approved, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm -hmm. And um, Pastor Thornton, um, I have, uh, I still have to this very day a great uh, love for Pastor Thornton. Um, when I was, or when I um, was asked to pastor the New Hope Church in Pasco, Pastor Thornton preached my uh, my first service when I was ordained. When I was uh, called to pastor the New Hope Church, he was there. Uh, I stayed in contact with him, not some of the time, but all of the time. Uh, wherever he went, I served him. I, I didn't I didn't mind. Matter of fact, I appreciated the fact that um, I could carry um, his Bible, that I could uh, make sure that um, he had what he needed when he did preach. Mm -hmm. And there were some times that because of my relationship with him and uh, my commitment to him, my loyalty to him, opened a lot of doors for me to preach at other churches. And be, I want to uh, also uh, bring Harley Bird. Are you online? Yes, yes, I'm here. Because uh, uh, also um, Pastor Matthew J. Thornton was a pipe fitter and was intricately involved with the United Construction Workers Association. I remember standing demonstrations. So Harley Bird, uh, one of the leaders of UCWA, United Construction Workers Association, fought for blacks to get into building trades. We need to have y'all come back because it's, it's horrible right now for black folks in the trades. Uh, I understand that 60% uh, of African-American males don't make it through the third year. So, uh, but Hardy, why don't you share some information and some memories about uh, uh, Reverend Matthew J. Thornton when he was a pipe fitter and an advocate with UCWA? Yeah, he was, I, I, you know, he was a person that you couldn't, you know, overlook. First of all, he was, he was a tall, gentle giant, big guy, you know, and, you know, he always had a smile on his face. Um, you know, he came, he turned out in support of us um, all the way back to when we, as we started out as Central Contractors Association. <laughs> and I don't know exactly how he got involved, but I know he got involved. He was, he was with us um, at the um, Garfield, at, at the swimming pool, on McGarrett's pool. Uh, he was, there when we was trying to be make sure that we had a role in the uh, Judge Boleyn's Judge uh, uh, court order, you know, that set the requirements 
you know, for the building. The Lindbergh tradition. court order. Lindbergh, yeah. And um, Volin was a, he was a referee. He was the one that was in charge of, you know, the court order advisory committee, which I served on. But anyway, he, he was he was there. I mean, I remember, when, and you, you were there as well, Eddie. We camped out on the federal lawn on Madison, was it Fourth and Madison? Fifth and Madison. Yeah. Yeah, it's in Madison. We we camped out there for a week, <laughs> you know, and we were there around the clock until you know the judge came down with an order that that included you know us in the, in the whole decision, and and we had an intricate part in implementing you know his his court order. Okay, and so well, look, I want everybody to hold on. Uh... We're going to take a break. We also have Reverend Dr. Leslie D. Braxton and uh, Kevin Meeks on uh, on hold as well. So, Eric, we're going to take this break and come back. Uh, we'd like to have you guys hold on because uh, Reverend Braxton and Kevin got an offer for you that you can't refuse. So hold on, please. And we'll get back to you, uh, Commander Raymond Miller. At Sound Transit, we not only connect more people to more places, we're making life better for all. We're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire region of opportunities, like jobs and school. If you have an ORCA card, you can just tap and go. We have reduced fares for seniors and riders with disabilities. For adults with lower incomes, check out ORCA Lift and pay just a dollar for your ride. To plan your trip or to learn more, visit us at soundtransit.org. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. At Urban Forum Northwest, I'd have to give a shout out to Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, and the SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. They own the African Lounge and Martin Room Bar on Concourse A out at SeaTac, and they got one of the top restaurants in America of, on the airports. So I'm back here with Reverend Dr. Leslie D. Braxton and Kevin Meeks, the media coordinator for New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. And Pastor Braxton is the pastor of NBCF. So we got a big event coming up on June 18th. This uh, last year we had one that was outstanding and fantastic. So I'm gonna start with Pastor Braxton and we'll talk to the uh, media coordinator next. Go ahead, Rev Braxton. Good afternoon to everybody. Um, we're happy to be here to promote Songs of Black Folk 2023. Our maiden production was last year on Father's Day evening. Uh, at the McCall Hall, and uh, it is the celebration of an African musical tradition that jumped the Atlantic Ocean via the slave ships 
and settled into the soil of the daily lives of an enslaved people of African descent and thereafter otherwise oppressed and music that has functioned as the soundtrack of our 400 plus year odyssey in an anti-black white supremacist society and music that evolved into spirituals from spirituals into blues into jazz into gospel into R&B hip hop even spoken word but no matter what genre of music you listen to they all function in two ways number 1 it is a tool of political resistance whether it is civil rights marchers saying ain't gonna let nobody turn us around or Tupac Shakur saying keep your head up and as a for a source of hope. Um, again, whether it's civil rights marchers saying to us, uh, we shall overcome uh, someday or Michael Jackson saying we are the world, we are the children uh, or Charles A. Tinley saying um, we shall make it home someday. And so this against uh, the backdrop of Juneteenth, we're pulling together once again a 50 piece orchestra, a 40 voice choir, um, dancers, uh, African drum uh, groups, uh, and five featured vocalists uh, from across the country, uh, one of them local, um, two of them from the Northwest. Um, and we've got classical music, we've got R&B, we've got jazz, we've got hip hop, we've got rhyme. Um, it's all in one. And it tells the story of how music has kept the rhythm of our advent, our movement forward, because music moves to the rhythm of hope and hope moves to the beat of the music. And so we invite everyone to come out. Um, you can go on our website, www.songsofblackfolk.com. Org. It will tell you everything about our history, uh, profiles on the featured performers, ticket information, sponsorship information, songsofblackfolk.org. And uh, I'm going to let my sidekick, if I'm Batman, this is Robin. In a digital world, the media services coordinator is the assistant pastor, whether you want to call him that or not, Mr. Kevin Meeks. is the only man in the history of Christendom that makes people look forward to the announcement portion of the service. <laughs> Thank you very much, Pastor. And, and and I think it's a privilege to be on your show here today, Eddie, um, to talk about Songs of Black Folk. Um, this is one of the most premier programs that you're ever going to see here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm originally from New York. We had the ability to go to Broadway. We had the ability to go to Lincoln Center, things like that. We don't have a lot of that here, at least seeing us here in the Pacific Northwest. So this is one of those shows that you don't only want to bring yourself. You don't want to bring your mother. You want to bring the whole family. Because my mother used to tell me exposure is the key. Well, we need to expose everyone to what's going on. And from my perspective, again, from the media services perspective, we're just here to enhance the production that's already there. This is a, a flat out six star production. Six star, I'm going to say that again, six star production that you definitely want to see. And, and our job from the lights perspective, audio perspective, is just to help enhance the, the, the senses. Because we all know if we enhance the senses, you're going to walk away and remember this for the longest time ever. So we want to make sure everyone comes out to Songs of Black Folk, because this is just that one. We're going to have uh, the artistic director and the conductor on 
uh, with some of the talent uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, Ramon Brian Braxton uh, did an outstanding job last year. And uh, was there is there a video of last year up on the NBCF website? We're actually going to try to show it this weekend for Memorial Day. So it will be on our website um, for the whole day of Memorial Day, or Memorial Day on demand so anyone can see it at any time of the day. And you certainly will get a treat because I was there. Again, it is Father's Day night, June the 18th, 7 p.m. at the iconic stage of the Paramount uh, Theater. Um, June the 18th, 7 p.m. Go to www.songsofblackfolk.org. Okay, and you'll be hearing from uh, somebody from the Songs of Black Folks for the next three weeks because it's very important that we uh, get people, get exposure, get the place sold out. And uh, just to sit back and just, you, you'll enjoy everything that you will hear and see. It's an outstanding performance. No matter so what type of music you love, we got you. World class, <laughs> but featuring African-American talent. Amen. All right, then. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Reverend Dr. Leslie Braxton. And also, Kevin, I want to thank you for all the work you do out there, too. Say, so join a committee or find a church. <laughs> <laughs> That's his closing statement at the end of the service when he does his closing up remarks at the, on Sunday. <laughs> okay, so thank you all very much. I want to all go right. to Raymond Miller. So we're going to be acknowledging all the, all the veterans on Sunday, right, Pastor Braxton? Yes. Okay. We have all uh, right. we'll Dr. See Raymond Miller on the line, so I want him to have a few more comments before we go down and start talking to Ms. Vanessa Bruce and Shirley Young. We also have uh, Dr. Wayne on. We want to have him have a comment, and uh, uh, as well as uh, Harley Bird. So, uh, uh, Dr. Raymond Miller, why don't you go ahead once again and reflect on this Veterans Day that's come? I mean, this Memorial Day. We remember people who went off to foreign shores, who died and came back home to segregation, as my uncles did during World War II. Right. Uh, thank you, Eddie and uh, Reverend Braxton and Kevin. Uh, uh, I was at the Songs of uh, Black Folks last year, and it was a wonderful event, and I'll be there again this year. Uh, but also that we know that we all don't want to take into effect that May is Military Appreciation Month. Uh, and this is the time where we honor all those brave men and women who presently serve and who have served and is a national reminder of the courage, determination and patriotism that all service main members display in fighting for and protecting the United States of America. As a result, this month is important to both civilian and service members. It is a chance for the entire country to unite in support and celebration. Every role in each branch is honored this month, this month, from the foot soldier to the Navy chief, from the Air Force navigator to the Army general. This month is also show, meant to show appreciation for the families of our service members who tirelessly stand by and support their relatives. We also honor the memory of our fallen service members who sacrificed their safety and ultimately their lives for their nation. And we also honor our veterans who have now passed on, who fought for freedom, justice, and peace. And we also honor the, all those who serve and all family members that serve. This is a time, in spite of what is happening with our Congress, and, and uh, we know that what 1.5 million veterans live in poverty today. 90%, uh, 80% of homeless veterans experience alcohol, drug, and mental health issues. 90% of homeless veterans receive an honorable discharge. 
67% served three years or more. 47% are Vietnam veterans. 15, 15% have served before Vietnam. These are our World War II and career era veterans. Can you imagine being homeless in your 80s and 90s? 15% are Iraqi and Afghan veterans. And you can expect that number to increase as they struggle with PTSD and unemployment issues in the coming years. 30% of veterans age 18 to 24 are unemployed, double the rate of non-veterans in the same group. Yesterday, 22 veterans died from suicide. Today, 22 veterans will die from suicide. Tomorrow, 22 veterans will die from suicide. On average, 22 veterans die every day from homelessness, poverty, and hopelessness. And this is the time to raise awareness of the serious issues service members and our veterans experience. And we cannot be cutting the budget of the Department of Veterans Affairs by 22% when they have a budget that they can't even take care of the veterans today when they're their present budget. And I'm going to propose that we should make sure that every veteran get at least $100,000 when they get out of the military just for serving as separation pay. Uh, that would be, uh, I mean, you know, we got about 25 million veterans out there, and uh, that would be less than what the New York Jets are paying uh, their quarterback $60 million a year. Um, Kansas City Chief pay their quarterback $45 million a year. And we got 1.5 million veterans who are living in poverty today, living on with their SNAP and their uh, disability income and and the budget is we already got 150,000 backlog. That means 150,000 veterans are waiting to get their benefits and their services through the Department of Veterans Affairs. And they're talking about cutting the budget to increase it by 135,000 just with that decrease in budget cuts that they're talking about. We need to make sure this is the time we're supposed to be honoring and support our veterans, not putting them deeper into poverty. And so uh, for the 25 million veterans out there, uh, we thank them, we appreciate them, we honor them, and uh, we know that they are the backbone of this country and they have proven it time and time again. And uh, I know that you also formed a chapter over in Yakima. I wanna ask Dr. Wayne Jenkins, uh, uh, his interaction, if he has much interaction with the veterans over in uh, in the, uh, the Yakima area. I mean, the Pasco area. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, there's a lot of veterans here that uh, I have some that are members of my church and the other uh, African-American churches that are in our area. Uh, we also provide services. We provide support and uh, we also do ministry to them. This, the thing that the New Hope Church uh, do, we meet veterans right where they're at. Uh, whatever is going on in their lives, we meet them at that point. Also, I serve as chaplain. Uh, at the Benton County Correctional Facility and also Cadillac Medical Center, where I'm also very attentive to the needs of veterans. Um, there's a program uh, here, it's called Veterans Court, where a lot of veterans come in and instead of having to um, wait for um, the criminal justice system, the Veterans Court can come in and, and intervene where they can get better treatment instead of just incarceration. Uh, I also uh, uh, know that uh, the African-American uh, soldier 
uh, African-American people have fought in every war that this country has ever been in. Uh, we have we have shed our blood, we have died, but we are the last ones to be noticed for heroic efforts. Uh, for us, it has to take a movie for people to see what we have done for this country. Uh, without us, this country would not be uh, what it is today. And we are the last to get services. That's right. And we got to start off with 254 years of free labor or more. Right. And that was during slavery. Yes, and, and then, like, as you indicated, in every war, and it's so unfortunate because I remember my uncles, World War II, because I'll be 81 on Friday, and they came back saying, well, and still got to ride in the back of the bus and go on the, go on the, on the colored side and go to the back of the restaurant to get my food. So uh, hopefully that will change. I know some people don't want it to change, but hopefully that will change soon. But uh, I tell you what, uh, 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 Dr. Miller, do you have any, any, we got about another minute or two before we go to the break. I just wanted to find out if you had any more information you want to part with us. What can people locally do to support the veterans that put their lives on the line for this country? Yeah, yeah. You know, when the month things are, you need, you need to talk to your your legislators, not just your congressmen, and then and then, but, but your local legislators, your your mayors, all 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 organizations should be working for veterans, helping veterans make that difficult, sometimes difficult transition from military back to civilian life. And uh, we should be doing that. And when we're doing it, I mean, we we kind of were the first uh, veteran court in in. Uh, and Washington State was in King County, and we put that in in 1997, I believe. We got diverse veterans court uh, in the in one of the verse in the country, uh, and so 1997. So we working every day. We and I'm also with, with General Brown getting promoted to the chief of, of staff, the chief of staff of the Air Force, and getting um, uh, his new promotion. He's going to be the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, uh, Annual convention is going to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico this year. And he was, um, we've been trying to, he tentatively is our keynote speaker. I don't know if that's going to change, but uh, from August to 17th to the 19th of August in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the Tuskegee Airmen would have their national convention there. And he is a pilot. So uh, he's a former pilot, still a pilot. And so uh, a fighter pilot voting in, in, in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, so you just got to just make sure that we maintain our budget and that. Okay. Um, well, ha hang on with us because I want you guys to hang on because Ms. Vanessa Bruce and Shirley Young got some information you might use too. So Eric, why don't we take this break and come back with uh, the artistic director and the choir members from uh, the sound of the Northwest. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the diversity of contracting director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. 
At Sound Transit, we not only give people more reliable ways to get around, we're connecting diverse neighborhoods to an entire system of opportunities, like jobs, school, friends and family, and to the airport. Our commitment to economic development provides opportunities for women and people of color to compete fairly for Sound Transit contracts. All of this helps our regional workforce grow and thrive. Go to soundtransit.org and search DBE to learn more. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, uh, Eddie Ryan back at Urban Forum Northwest is my next guest, and that would be the artistic director for The Sound of the Northwest, Ms. Vanessa Wells-Bruce and uh, Shirley Young, uh, who is also a member of the choir. Uh, so I want to start with, with uh, Ms. Uh, Vanessa, the artistic director. Uh, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, ma'am, and tell us what will be happening on June 3rd. Sure. Thank you for having us and giving us this time. On June 3rd, we're having our spring concert at the Langston Hughes Performing Arts Institute. The theme of this year's concert, oh, it's at 7 o'clock on June 3rd. The theme of this year's concert is History, Her Story, Their Story, Music from Different Perspectives. Uh, We're going to continue in the legacy of our founder, the late Juan Huey Ray, who passed away last year. The program is going to feature spirituals, freedom songs, traditional gospel and contemporary music, and poetry from the words of people like Paul Lawrence Dunbar, Langston Hughes, Brian Lewis Mack, Maya Angelou, and Amanda Gorman. In the cultural climate we have in the United States and in Seattle, we we think that music can invigorate and propel people to make changes. We are very aware of the social consciousness of our nation, and we're going to be singing songs such as a song called Say Her Name, which mentions the martyrdom of many people who have died. And as I did my research, there are at least 21 people who have died at the hands of police since in this 21st century. We're going to talk about, we're going to sing a song um, by, that was inspired by John Lewis making good trouble and getting out to vote. We want to engage younger audiences and we're in partnership this year and we're very pleased with that to be in partnership with Jazz Ed, which is a group of people who uh, provide music and education to people no matter what their economic or social status. And with the schools next year canceling music programs, Jazz Ed may be a great vehicle for for students to learn. So this, we're excited about this concert. Uh, we have young people from Jazz Ed as well as some of our older singers singing with us this year. So that would go, I would go now to uh, Miss Shirley Young and tell us what role you'll be playing, ma'am. Yes, I will be uh, singing with the choir. I have been with the choir since, almost since the beginning, which was back in 1987. And, um, we're just excited to be able to present this program on the 3rd of, uh, of June. We are doing a lot of rehearsing and getting ready. And with the assistance of Miss Bruce, who is our artistic director, we're just excited to um, come before the, the, the come before the, the city and present this program. We have um, about 25 
people that will be performing and it will be uh, our honor to come before you and, uh, and perform. We have, um, we have about 20 songs that we are, will be privileged to, to sing. And we just, we're just excited and hope that the, that the uh, community will be able to, in, to, to come out and enjoy what we have prepared. The, uh, the, the community will be um, first, will be always uh, on hand and the community will, will not just be, um, not just be there for the, the for the on for the ongoing of the program, but we will always provide special music. Okay. Well, Miss Bruce, uh, can you tell us uh, what some of the songs are and who else would be involved? Uh, you have individuals in the choir that'll be doing solos. Is there uh, uh, is there anybody in the music session? Uh, let's share that information with us. Well, this year we are doing songs, traditional songs such as uh, "Don't Let Don't Let no, Don't You Let Nobody Turn Me Around." That's one of the spirituals. We are doing um, some gospel music. We're doing "Total Praise" by uh, Richard Smallwood. We're doing a couple of songs by local people. We're doing a song by Cora Jackson, who is well known in the community, as well as Jacqueline Hairst, uh Hardy, who is a very who was very well known in Seattle. She's a choir director and a part of the Edwin Hawkins Music and Arts um, organization. Uh, we do not have special guests, but we have a lot of talented people in the group who will be participating. We have a young man who's excellent at the drums. He's also going to be doing some solos. Um, we're doing as I said, say her name. We are doing. I can't. I don't know how what it. Don't know what it feels to be free. Very uh, well known song. We're interjecting, interspersing some old spirituals like "Oh Freedom" and "Wade in the Water," and we're we're doing them in new ways and mixing them up with contemporary songs. And this is going to be the sound of the Northwest will be Saturday, June 3rd at 7 o'clock p.m. at the Langston Hughes Performing Arts Institute. Now, is there a uh, website or a place where people can go and purchase tickets right now? Yes, you can. You can go to www.thesonw.org. That's www.the sonw.org there you can make a donation and um actually if you put in the notes of your donation tickets that's how you will get into the concert we're suggesting a donation of 20 dollars, but um, whatever you can pay you can also pay at the door 
Okay, well, that's very fine. So we'll, we'll give it a shout out again next Thursday on the 1st. Uh, make sure that we get as many people there as possible. We appreciate the work that both of you are doing in the community and carrying on the legacy of my good friend, Juan Huey Ray. So thank you all very much. Thank you for having us. That, uh, uh, Dr. Wayne, do you have any comments you'd like to close out with? Uh, yes, I would. I want to thank uh, everyone that uh, was on the program today. Um, a lot of good information about what we do and how we do it. And also, uh, Eddie, thank you for giving me uh, this platform to uh, remember and talk about and cherish my friend, my brother, and my pastor, uh, Pastor Thornton. Okay, thank you very much, Dr. Reverend Dr. Wayne Jenkins. Uh, Dr. Raymond Miller, the commander, you got about one minute to let us know what you got to say before we start celebrating the uh, Air Force General Charles C.Q. Brown, who was in, uh, nominated by President Biden to be the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the second yeah. black since uh, Colin Powell. That's, that's, that's honorable. And we also take note that the uh, um, Secretary of Defense uh, is a black man. And so the first, the next, the top two uh, members of the military complex uh, will be the Secretary of Defense and the ch uh, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They both will be black, uh, black men. And so we look forward to that. Uh, we also want to take so and make sure that this is the time where we thank our members of our armed services and our veterans for maintaining uh, some of the dignity and the and the quality of life that we have and the sacrifice they make. Um, okay. Well, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank you, Ms. Shirley Young, Ms. Artistic Director Vanessa Wells-Bruce, uh, Reverend Dr. Wayne Jenkins, Reverend Dr. Leslie Braxton, Kevin Meeks, uh, Congressman Bobby Scott. I want to thank all of you for your participation today, Harley Bird. So uh, I want to let everybody know that uh, we want to thank Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, SeaTac Bar Group, LLC. They own the African Lounge and the Mountain Room Bar out at SeaTac. When you go to go somewhere, if you go to our concourse, they go visit those brothers. And uh, Eric, thank you very much for the day, too. And this program will be available in an hour or two on Alexa and my podcast for 24-7. So you can still get the message out, let your people know. Urban Forum, Northwest, have Alexa play the latest edition. And you can hear yourself. So thank you all very much and have a good one. Thank you.